Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, wherever you may be, and welcome to episode number 12. Can you believe it? Number 12 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside the Jim Wexel, and we are excited to be here with you today, despite the drubbing that the Steelers took at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals, 41 to 10. We're going to get into all that today. Um, we thought that 24 to 10 was bad earlier this year at Heinz Field, but when the Steelers traveled to Cincinnati, it was even worse. We're going to talk about the poor performances on offense, um, defense as well, but we'll also try to find what little bright spots that we can uh, from the game and then talk about moving forward what this means for the team. But Jim, good morning. Happy 5 a.m. How are you doing on this Tuesday? Good morning, Jeremy. You know, you take your drubbings on Sunday and you heal on Monday and you get up really early to see Jeremy on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you know what? What might make it better to wake up in the mornings if we had some music? It might make it more fun, right? I understand that is now a, um, a criticism of Tomlin and that's why they lost. Okay, I like music. I, I I use music when I write, not when I podcast, though. Podcasts are serious business. That's right. Podcasts and music don't mix. You know, I, I've been covering, I, I can't remember the 90s as well. I used to drink more a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember music on Fridays for forever at Friday practices. Cower used to have hat day on Fridays. And they were good. It's it's like a it's not a walkthrough. It's a glorified walkthrough on Fridays. Yeah. And people they they play music. You know when I when I go to watch my daughter's soccer games when I see their they have music on during practice I I feel better about the team. They're light. I can see they're focused. But apparently TikToks are also entering the conversation too. Juju has Juju is the reason they lost forty one to ten apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think he there it's also the reason why Devin Bush is playing so bad too. I, I don't and yeah, I don't want to mock all that stuff. I, I understand people's anger. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. And justified. It's a bad team. Yeah. And, but I think there are deeper reasons and we'll get into them. Yeah. But I, I just, you know, you do this on Monday, and and I've tried to fight on Monday against these. And, you know, you take the other approach when they, they eke out an easy win that you think is lucky. You try to temper the enthusiasm. Hey, hey, hey. So that's what Mondays are all about. And you try not to you try not to get anybody too angry. They're pretty angry. Message boards are full of anger. anger. And it was an ugly game. And they, they, they've lost their edge. They're not physical anymore. And we can talk about that. We'll get into that. But. Let's not blame music and juju and TikToks again. That seems to be a go-to. You know, it's like, come on. Did you even on the sideline this time? I did not see him. And um, I think an appropriate quote here is from Bill Cower. Don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows and keep an even kill. And even though they got trounced 41 to 10, and it was really bad, and there are a lot of problems with this team, I think, you know, there are still six games left. Um, But like you said, Let's go back to the the actual game, and we'll just start with the the poor performances, and they're across the board, as opposed to going offense and defense here. I'm just going to give give you the list, Jim, and we'll just you know dive in where you wherever you want to start. But we could we could go with Roethlisberger, the offensive line, Claypool. At times, he did have a few nice receptions, but there were still some um, spotty play there. The defensive line, it's inside linebackers. James Pierre once again gets burnt against the Bengals this time by T Higgins, Cameron Sutton's Cameron Sutton, all bad. Um, where would you like to begin? <laughs> um, well, you know, l- let's start with Ben because nobody's going to blame him. If it was Mason that played that game and did the exact same things, it's all we'd be hearing about. Mm-hmm. Now we're hearing about Tomlin and that's how it works. This is really the only quarterback that the city has loved completely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that first pass to, to Claypool, that was a bad read on Ben. 
You know, they, they want to come out and pick on Eli Apple and with good reason. Well, just like Cincinnati wanted to pick on James Pierre. Eli Apple's not very good. And Claypool had him beat and Ben threw a back shoulder fade. I mean, Apple is beat in coverage and Ben throws to the beat side, you know, where, where Apple was. And so now this guy who they were going to pick on already has a pick. Are you kidding me? This guy stinks. So they went right back at him and had the big, I think it was 41. Is 41 sticking in my head for some reason? I think it was 41 yards. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was the score and that's Spillane's number. And so I, <laughs> there's some magic mystical. Well, that's the guy that has to play, I guess. So, but uh, so yeah, Ben, and then that pick six to, to Hilton, this, that ended the game right there yeah. before halftime. And I, hey, I'm, you know, that's what quarter, that's what happens to quarterbacks and nothing else got generated on offense. And uh, his line still is raw and working and, part of the problem, Mm -hmm. but it's also part of the problem that, you know, is not going to change next week either. Yeah. So uh, to, to get all angry again, each week at this offensive line, yes, you want to see improvement, but there really is improvement going on with these people personally too. They're going to come back much better players. Dan Moore, it's holding his own. You, You want better out of your left tackle. You want what the Bengals have at left tackle, but guess what? They went six and ten and drafted eleventh in that draft, and they mm-hmm. got the Alabama left tackle, and now he's a he's a foundation piece for them. Yeah, Dan Moore was a fourth rounder, and he's working his tail off, and he's gonna be maybe not a foundation piece, but he's gonna be a quality left tackle, in my opinion. And it's not gonna happen next week either. Right, right. So those are the offensive woes, and. Uh, I know you could ask me specific questions, but I, I thought Ben's picks were were terrible. And if I'm just I'm just pointing out that if Mason lost forty one to ten, he he may be dead already. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I noticed too, and again, it, it's nothing surprising. Like you said, um, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. But we're we're seeing Ben continue with the short underneath passes. He only attacks the perimeters in terms of the deep passing, but he's he's afraid to stay in there in the pocket with good reason because of the O-line to attack the middle of the field. Um, but just more, it, it looks like the same offense from last year. You know, take take out some of those motions and jet sweeps. I mean, this is this is yeah. 2020 all over again, minus not Najee Harris. Yeah. Well, the line stunk last year too. That's why they had to get a whole new one in. Right. Now you got to work this one. Right. But back to what you said last week, too, I I think you hit it on the head and I, I haven't seen this or, or read this anywhere else. It's what did I ben, say? And that was Ben's limitations in terms of he doesn't have that threat of the run. So I think teams are able to defend him. And when they know what type of passes he's going to throw, you know, defensing the Steelers offense just becomes I don't want to say simplistic, but. The proof is in the results. I don't want to hang too much on that mobile quarterback thing, but it is something. I I did ask uh, the offensive coordinator that, and he basically said yes, because he told me Ben's mobile. So the answer was yes. Your your system does depend on a mobile quarterback. Because he started saying, you know, we could. there are other things we can do. Then he realized what he was answering to, and he said, but Ben's mobile. Mm. And then he smiled like, like he thought to himself, why did I just say that? You know, <laughs> it's you know, the coaches are are trying not to um, embarrass. You yeah, know, you know, and you see this after the game with Tomlin. People say, well, you know, why isn't he? Why does he say the same things every week? Well, this is the public Tomlin, and you're, it's not going to change. He would be silly to start bashing his players. So, right, right. Um, but you know, uh, somebody made a good point on the message board. Just get a guy, a quarterback, a real quarterback, and put your offense around him. And that's a good point. And kind of that's what Canada's doing with Ben, but time's up. The time's up on Ben. And and it, it's it is nice that the that city has not turned on him. Yeah. Like they have every other quarterback in the history of this franchise. Yeah. Well, with six games to go, hopefully <laughs> it doesn't end badly with an, an injury just because of the poor protection or he, you okay. know, he doesn't With play so poorly. He gets booed off the field. 
Um, I, I thought you were just going to drop it. Let's hope it doesn't end badly. Oh, it's it's going to end badly. <laughs> you can see. I, it. You can see. I've it. got faith that they could at least eke out a couple more wins here. One more um, piece I wanted to hit on in terms of the poor performances. And again, we could be here. We could probably do 10 podcasts just on this game alone. But back to the inside linebackers, a position that I thought was going to be a strength of this team, especially with the addition of Joe Schobert, who has been serviceable. But Devin Bush, I mean, you want to talk about I can't even wrap my brain around how this guy went from having promise and looking fast and explosive on the field to looking not only slow, but more disturbing is the fact that he just looks like he lacks effort out there. Well, you know, we've, we've been saying this every week. We may have been the first to get on the bash Bush (laughs) train. I don't know what else to say. You know, it's, he's hasn't been this bad. And I, I should go back and watch tape of his rookie year. He, one question I wanted to ask, you know, when they brought Schobert in, they gave him the green dot immediately. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. And they also mocked us as reporters for caring so much about the green dot. And I thought that was strange. I mean, there's a lot of other things you could bash us for. We kind of want to know who's the play call, the signal caller and a play caller, which means who's the defensive captain, who's smart. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking, you know, why they bashed us is part of their defense, my guess, part of their defense for what they were going to tell Devin for why they were giving Schilbert the green dot. Devin, it doesn't mean that much. And then to carry that attitude over, they had to bash the press. Why are you guys uh, – this town worries more about the green dot than any – and I never knew that extended beyond our little, you know, we get a little intense on the little things here at our site and, and some of the other guys in town too, that, that watch film and write their stuff up. I just think of Chris Carter off the top of my head, um, Nick Farabaugh, guys like young guys who are coming in and watch a lot of tape and care about these little minute details. These are the guys who care. It's not like it's been a big deal among the major media in town. It has been. And so when they bashed us, I, I thought it was weird. Now I'm looking back on it, and Devin has lost his enthusiasm. And I wonder if it goes back to that, them stripping him of leadership in some capacity, mm-hmm. and then him just letting it go to his head and just falling apart. And maybe his dad's on him again. You know, we talked about his dad made him quit when he was a child because he pushed him too much. His dad was a former NFL player. I wonder if all of that's adding up to a lack of enthusiasm and just a lack of depression for the game, uh, not a lack of depression, a depression for the game. Mm-hmm. Depression's a strong word, but um, you know, just my heart's not in this game anymore. Yeah. That's what he, that's what he's playing like. So I, I, I look back at for signs and that green dot issue where they mocked the press for asking about it. Then I'm thinking, you know, they probably use that with Devin to tell, explain to him why the new guy who doesn't know the defense at all is going to be calling the defense. Yeah. So, yeah. The other thing too, is just, I mean, if you, and not that this has anything related to the physical elements of the game, but the, the tweets this summer with him posting that video of the cat falling to its death or just all the bizarre posts. I hate to speculate about, you know, someone's uh, state, um, but maybe well, there is are. something going on there. You know, maybe he's struggling. But I am. Well, you know, I, I said at the time, I, linebackers are linebackers, man. I, I'm not getting mine out of the choir. The choir yeah. boys belong in church on Sundays. <laughs> I love good character, but, you know, linebackers are linebackers. Yeah. I know torturing cats is not what I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about Harrison Lloyd. Just nasty. You don't. You didn't hire them for their disposition, right? Uh, so uh, I don't know what to say about that because I'm not a huge on TikTok and, and Twitter, and so I don't know what the, I don't follow the players. I don't know what that was all about. But this is a guy I thought just the way he dressed on draft day. I thought that was a little strange. And then when he explained how his dad pushed him and he quit when he was little, and I was not a big fan of him at Michigan. Uh, I came along for the ride because I know what I don't know. And 
everybody I respected loved his play. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, somebody else was making a point. You know, they passed on uh, Darius Leonard that year. Now there's a physical guy that can cover and uh, for, for Terrell Edmonds. And the, those kind of picks, you know, Terrell Edmonds, that's another guy. And I got mocked on the radio, local radio here, because I, I tweeted – Someone said they're gonna they're gonna take Terrell Edmonds. I said Terrell Edmonds. There's no chance they're taking him in the first round. And then when they did, I'm like, hey, I don't know. Maybe somebody knows <laughs> something about him. <clears throat> well, the local radio station mocked me for being so wrong about Terrell Edmonds, and I'm just giving it back a little bit now. It's definitely a big miss when you trade up to the tenth overall pick. And, uh, you know, you, you you strike out as bad as you did here with Devin Bush. But I don't know if it's something that you've you could have pro- projected because he did play so well early on. Um, hopefully he can get out of this. But, you know, with every passing game, it, it looks like it gets worse. So it's just just very concerning. Well, and let me ask, the, let the me inside- ask you, because I, I'm not sure. I mean, we say this every week to and Alu Alu being out and, and them having so little uh, cap space to uh, find replacements or, or depth. They, they thought they had good depth in Chris Warmly. And when they drafted Isaiah Bugs out of Alabama in the sixth round, I thought that was a good sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. That stuff's coming back. And, and Loudermilk, I ripped, and he looks like the really the only reserve they have. And uh, their cap, they had to fix the offensive line. That was the emergency right away. So things are falling apart. Just, just because they do at the end of long runs, this is yeah. the end. They're on vapors. They've been drafting, and, and we'll get we'll get to this a little later. But um, there's no defensive lineman in front of Devin, and a small guy like that who's going to rely on speed and get to the flats needs big bodies up front. And the big bodies are injured and out, and mm-hmm. whatever's wrong with to it. Yeah. And and to that point, Jim, you know we're kind of a, a rebuild. If you go back to, I think. 2013, I think that was the year they started. Was it 0 and 5, and then went on a little run, and then it was the following year, 14, when they made the playoffs again. Martavis Bryant emerged. Um, that was kind of the transition. You know, Troy leaving at that time, Harrison, all those guys it was kind of a changing of the guard. I think you're right. I think we're seeing something similar here um, with Roethlisberger kind of heading out. I mean, and that's significant. Um, but I think one thing people need to uh, be cautious about is saying, oh, this is we're, we're headed back to another 1980s period where they're just going to be abysmal. I think NFL teams have the ability to turn it around more quickly today. Um, so even if this team does tank and let's say that they have a top 10 draft pick, I think the ability to turn this thing around quickly uh, is there. For, for next season, I don't think that, um, you know, if Ben goes and some of these vets that have been around for a while go, it doesn't mean that this team is condemned to, you know, five wins, six wins over the next couple of seasons. It's, you know, there's parity definitely in the NFL. Well, let's, let's, um, to be a little optimistic, let's say this is the end of the 80s because this score, 41 10, is the exact score. The Bengals put up on them in the second week of the 89 season. The first week they lost 51, nothing. So in, in these two last two weeks of giving up 41 and 41 is the most points they've given up since that first two weeks of the 89 season. So if this is the eighties, it's the end of the eighties. <laughs> there we go. There we go. No, and it took them. It took them in the 90s. Their foundational draft was in place in 87 with Rod Woodson, mm-hmm. uh, Delton Hall, Thomas Everett, Hardy Nickerson, Greg Lloyd, Merrill Hodge. That was their foundational draft. And so that was 87. And in 89, they had a rookie, Carnell Lake, playing his first game in that 51 nothing loss to the Browns. Mm-hmm. And uh, they turned it around that season and made the playoffs. But they still 90, 91, and then Noel got fired and or resigned mm-hmm. and then Cowher had a great draft and he started putting it together and 94 was when they legitimately came of age yeah so that, that's how long that took it, yeah. but I don't think we're going to start the 80s once Ben retires because that's the assumption when Bradshaw was done then they went through how many quarterbacks and that's what everybody keeps saying when Ben's done 
I think the eighties came about because of the rebuild that was necessary from the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I think we're still seeing that rebuild in place. And I have commentary later for one of your points about who's to blame for all this. And I, yeah. I, I and it, it leads into this general direction, but I don't know that the turnaround is going to be that quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say, I don't, I, I'll defend Tomlin to a point. He's not Belichick. Belichick has turned that team around again. And he drafted a smart quarterback, like I was calling for. I, I loved the, the Alabama quarterback, Mac Jones. And I was mocked because he lacked arm strength. But I loved his accuracy. And when will people learn that it, all the tools are not what you need out of the quarterback? Uh, you know, the accuracy. What has Brady shown us? Well, Brady showed Belichick to get another one. Yeah, Jones is that guy. Yeah, but to point out about the Patriots last year when they brought in Cam Newton, they went seven seven and nine, I think, or maybe six and ten. So they had a down year after Brady left before this resurgence. So they, I mean, they turned it around after one season. But I did want to point out too, and I am by no means saying this is a playoff team or a Super Bowl caliber team, but blowouts do happen. Yeah. They happen, and they happen to good teams. And it, as recent as Last year, the Buccaneers got toasted by the Saints 38-3. to They would go on to win the Super Bowl. And then the Eagles in their Super Bowl year, 2018, lost 48-7 to to the Saints. So I think that's the other thing, too, that Steelers fans don't put in perspective or they don't look at the context. It's, it's such an emotional reaction. But there's historical precedent out there that blowouts happen in the NFL. And I think you look at this game um, – Again, I'm not defending their performance. They were awful. But sometimes when you get behind and things just keep stacking up against you and you get big enough of a hole, it can spiral out of control quickly. So to go back to Bill Cowher's quote, don't get too high with the highs, don't get too low with the lows. I think this team isn't as bad as we think it is. It's not as good as we think it is. Um, But I think it does point to, as you said earlier, that Ben's done. It's time to start looking to the future. But to dispute your point, I do think this team is as bad as it looked. Uh, the run defense we've been harping on, and, you know, it's the Devin. It's not just Devin. It's the, the entire run defense. Yeah. 5.4 yards a carry now the last six games. And their overall for the season is 4.8 per carry. That um, would break the – I don't know if 1954, you can call modern day record, but the overall worst run defense, not counting the World War II years when they were the Steagles in the card pits, the worst run defense was 5.0 per carry in 1934, the second year of the franchise. I guess Bronco Nagurski just crushed them (laughs) repeatedly. I don't know, but that's how bad this run defense is. It's historical. It's 4.8 per carry, 5.4 the last six weeks. And I think that includes the Seattle second half. And they did stop the Browns. The NFL's leading rush. The Browns stopped themselves. They came out with a passing attack. Yeah. You know, everybody's running on the Steelers, except for the Browns. And the Ravens will run on them too. This run defense is not going to get fixed. And when your run defense is this bad, your team is this bad. Yeah. And you can't run the ball yourself either to eat clock to keep them off the field from running through your defense. So really, I don't see a quick fix. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think this team is as bad as, as they look. And Cincinnati could win the Super Bowl. Wow. I'm. I may look into their odds today. Mm-hmm. You know, and you talk about what it takes to rebuild. <laughs> First of all, where do they get their triplets? Let's go through the triplets. Mixon. You like Mixon? Alabama. He punched a girl and broke her jaw. So nobody would touch him except the Bengals. Yeah. Because nobody cared about what, who the Bengals draft the character. You imagine uh, the Steelers drafted that guy in the second round, there would be uproar in town. Yeah. We are close to the team. We follow the minutia. Uh, we believe in character. And the fans would, would have been, I guess, fairly outraged. Okay. So they got him in 2017. Then they go um, – six and 11 and draft 11th and take this massive left tackle, the linchpin of an offensive line. You need one pillar, a hall of famer in your offensive line. And if it's a left tackle, great. That's the 11th pick. 
The next year they go two and 14. First round, first pick of every round, Joe Burrow. There's your other triplet. T. Higgins. How's that for a number two receiver? Yeah. In the third round, they get their defensive captain, Logan Wilson, the middle linebacker, who plays like the Steelers want their middle linebacker to play. That guy's a ball player. He's out of Wyoming. Oh, yeah. cool. You know, I love Wyoming ball players ever since Kiesel, you know. It's Wyoming, the state. He went to BYU. And then the next this past year, they go four and eleven and one and draft Jamar Chase with the fifth pick. They got their triplets, they got their left tackle, they got their defensive captain, all from losing yeah. horribly for four or five years. And they took a chance and drafted somebody who punched a woman in the face and busted her jaw. So, and now they're doing dances in the end zone. Yeah. It takes time. It, it that's the kind of losing is required. It's the kind of losing the Steelers had when they built the steel curtain. And see, I don't know if they're they're capable of this, and this might seem counterintuitive. I don't know if they're capable of stringing together losing seasons like that because, you know, not to be cliche, but the standard in Pittsburgh has always, at least since Tomlin's been here, you know, he hasn't had a season below eight wins. Now this year may be the first year for that, um, but they always and seem a way even with – fans would be too outraged by losing seasons? Well, I just think that however they do it, they string together wins with patchwork players and you know their depth and i could see them sneaking out two or three wins here they go eight and eight they don't get a great draft pick but maybe that's why they've been mired in mediocrity the last couple of years because they haven't had that bottom fall out for them to get that high high draft pick well that that, that's the question that's what you wanted to get to later who's at fault and i I was going to go that clever route and say ben's at fault for all this because he refuses to allow everyone says it's Tomlin that doesn't have losing seasons. Okay. He's a good coach, but Ben's been a great quarterback Mm -hmm. and through a rebuild, they could not do better than they could not do worse draft wise than eight and eight every year because they had the quarterback. They could not rebuild properly. I'll, I'll I'll die on that Hill. I Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that you have to thoroughly rebuild Unless you're Belichick, I don't know how he's doing it, but uh, every this is just a fact of life. It's the cycle of life. We see it play out in sports. That's what we like about sports. Is it reflects the cycle of life back to us? And this is where you're at. Yeah. But you had a quarterback. It was a, a totally different dynamic when Ben came into a veteran team and led them to a Super Bowl right away. How young was he? Well, the yeah. team was veteran enough to be that good right away. And then they went away. They died, but they still had Ben. Yeah. And with the quarterback, this is what you can do. You can patchwork around it and go eight and eight, get into the playoffs, lose your playoff game, because you really don't have the what the Bengals have right now. Yeah. You know, the Bengals have those pillars. And 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 to Kevin Colbert's credit, he went out and thought he got some pillars. I think he has one in Minka. He thought he had one in Devin by trading up. And you should be able to fill in around that. Well, with the salary cap of Ben's salary cap, they couldn't spend money on not high grade, but decent fill-ins around him. And that's why their lack of depth is so appalling right now. James Pierre, just when Joe Hayden goes down, when their defensive linemen go down, there's just no depth. Their cap, they really kept going after it because of the quarterback. So it's all Ben's fault. (laughs) he's too good (laughs) it's a it's a good point and um you know i was saying yesterday on my my other show that uh you know roethlisberger at this point he could still play the nfl game but he's average to below average that his ceiling is it's gone yes but he did look i mean look what he did against san diego la chargers yes and uh and you know he's pulled out some wins uh, that maybe they wouldn't have. So he's still responsible for hurting their draft position again to a degree. He's still the best they have. Yeah. So, I just think that those performances are anomalies. They're not the standards anymore in his his game. And I think that's probably why if they do have a losing season, it's and that, that's a great point. I never thought about it from that perspective, that he's the reason for the eight and eights. It's not Tomlin. But the reason why they may experience their first season won't be because or first losing season won't be because of Tomlin. It's because of Ben not being able to play at that level anymore. That's 
it's the cycle of life. Yeah. They need replenished. And they tried their best to fill in around what they felt was a franchise quarterback dying the last few years. Let's do it again. I don't know that they mortgaged all that much of the future. You know, Devin took a lot of draft capital and Minka a little bit. I thought Minka was a steal personally. So not too bad, but you know, now they can, I think they should go back and not listen to the elevator music and not worry about some little patch in that might get them a playoff win, you know, get, get heart and soul guys, get pillars, get guys that like these offensive linemen, you know, they decided instead of, instead of getting offensive linemen the first, second round and reaching for them, just because you need the emergency in offensive line, they got some pillars. Najee Harris is going to be a pillar. Uh, Friermuth is a pillar. And so then I think they're fortunate. I know nobody's going to, everybody's going to mock me for saying they're fortunate to get Kendrick Green, but that was, they passed on the center. It was one of the highest graded centers in the NFL right now. They passed on him in the second round to get Friermuth because they knew they could get Kendrick Green in the third round. And I still think Kendrick's going to be a player. And then Dan Moore in the fourth round. So they got their two offensive linemen later. Yeah. They went pillars instead of saying the emergency's on the offensive line. Let's go round one, two, regardless of who's there. Yeah. And maybe the quickest way for turnaround for this team next year is you just bring in some maulers, some road graders on that offensive line, because you do have Harris, who I think is going to be even better year two. I think he takes a big jump and then you just run the ball. And well, I think that probably, immediately improves. It's probably going to be first round D line, second round O line, uh, depending on the value. Whoever is a greater player, I think that's how they. That's the fundamental rebuild that we have to see. Yeah. And if they have to pass on a record setting pit quarterback to take a D tackle, everybody's going to heart. You know, I've run that little ironic joke past a couple of people who were there in the '80s when they passed on Dan Marino for yeah. a defensive tackle because Chuck Knoll said. It all started with a defensive tackle and Joe Green. So that's what we're going again. Yeah. They passed on Marino. But Kenny Pickett is not Marino as well as he's played. And I would think they would pass on Pickett for something in the trenches on either side is what they need. They can't run. They can't stop the run. You can't play ball that way. You're going to get yeah. too ugly. And we're seeing it right now. Yeah. So I think you're going to, I don't think you're going to see a quarterback, probably not in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a lot of cap space, so they could potentially do some things offensive line, defensive line, and free agency. I know that they're going to have to pay up for for Minka. Um, with Ben being gone, that's going to free up a lot. Probably the first time in a long time that they had as much this much cap space heading into an offseason. But we'll have to reserve the, those conversations for a later show. Um, so, I mean, where from here, Jim, I, I think we could just talk briefly about any possible changes to the lineup to help. Um, you know, I mentioned B- Buddy Johnson to inside linebacker. Anything's got to be better uh, than Busher. Do you give Banner a chance in there at right tackle, shift the core four over, or do you keep Dan Moore in there? Do you see any of those types of changes happening? <laughs> hey, we're grasping for straws, man. Around since week one. You know, I, I still see the same. I don't see the problem being the tackles. Chooks is actually playing a little better than I expected. And Dan Moore, I, I don't, at this point, I don't want to move Dan Moore now. Mm-hmm. And Zach Banner, um, I, I don't see that. I, okay. You want to play him more as your jumbo tight end? Okay. But, uh, and defense, now you bring up Buddy Johnson. That's a new name. And he's, he's a thumper, he's physical. And so we all want to see more of that in the middle of the defense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how raw he is. And that's up to the coaches. And with Splane, Nick, and Devin looking at a benching, I, they tried to motivate him last week. You know, I'm the one that asked Butler about Devin. And Butler went off and it went viral. Uh, he's got to run to the ball. They were, they were, They were knocking publicly his heart. And I had heard that he had a terrific week of practice running all over the field. And then we don't see it at all. So they tried everything they could. They publicly tried to humiliate him and they thought it worked in practice, but in the game, it just, Hey, he's just too small. And there's too many big bodies coming at him without to it. And a Lou on the line. So, you know, and Hayward at nose tackle, geez, we, we saw that at the beginning of the year. They tried that. 
it's I I don't want to. I'm not knocking the big man. He he's our guy. He's not a nose tackle. And when you bring him in, then what is with Henry Mondu? What do they see in him? I don't know what the D line coach knows. But from my vantage point, I don't know why it's not louder milk. I, I don't get this Henry Mondu thing. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a heart and soul guy, and that's what they want. They, but you have to have the ability to do the job too. And I'm not mm-hmm. knocking him. He, he's a young guy. He's off the practice squad. But when he's your starting defensive tackle, when Cam's playing nose tackle, Devin's got to be looking like, oh my god, what's coming at me now? Yeah. So, yeah. So if 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 Devin is on the verge of being benched, and if Splain is hurt, then we'll. Buddy Johnson at least needs to be active and play a little special teams yeah. and get a feel for this at least. Yeah. I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose? So, and that's a perfect segue. Where from here, Jim? TJ Watt's probably going to be out. He's on the COVID reserve list, which is really bad going against the Ravens in that rushing attack. Uh, we thought 200 yards, what, 219 yards against Detroit was bad. Um, it could get even uglier. Um, how do you see the rest of this season playing out with six games to go? Five, <laughs> eleven, and one. I, I, I don't know, man. You know, um, there really aren't many changes to make, and rebuilding for next year by playing Mason. Mason can pick up just fine next preseason. Yeah and try to put some kind of game together and maybe do a Neil O'Donnell thing and maybe make a run at the playoffs. I don't know. But um, from here, you know, it's just stay fundamental. Don't listen to all the elevator music. Don't lose your players. Don't baby them either. I mean, get stern, but don't blow them out of the water. I think they probably took a step over the line with Devin Maybe they thought it was necessary. Probably was, but I don't know that you want to continue this public harassment of yeah. him or any of the players. Do it privately. Uh, you know, demand a lot and tell them their jobs on the line. And I think they're going to start to realize that. Yeah, like uh, you can't baby them, and but you just can't overreact and start chopping heads. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. not the Steeler way. Right. I mean, and that's, they'll they'll have their meetings. There'll be some heated meetings, and there'll be some tough decisions made. But you're not going to see anything public, and you're not going to see overreactions that are that are things that the Browns do or the Bengals used to do. Things like that. And again, I think that's the the difference between a franchise like the Steelers and the Bengals. And you mentioned all those losing seasons that the Bengals had, and how they added all those players and. Sure, they're winning now, but we've seen how that works with some of those other teams where they'll have a winning season, then they go 5-11 and 11 the next year. But with the Steelers, they, again, not to go back to that Bill Cower quote, but I think they're steady, they're objective, they don't overreact to things, and their organizational philosophy is the reason why they've been so consistent from year to year. As much as the fans don't like that and they want to see, oh, heads have to roll, we got to put this guy in, sit this guy down. Um, but – one thing is for certain they will be out there and they will compete. Um, but man, the Ravens. Well, uh, and, and I hate to say people should expect this, but I, I really wouldn't expect too much for too much to change in the one loss record next year. It's just, it's a fact of life. They have to foundationally get better and that's a patient process and they'll have to weather the public storm. Um, but I, I don't see Art Rooney overreacting as his ancestors did not either. So, you know, they'll, what coordinators they, they deem, you know, the Tomlin knows who his good assistants are, what needs change, and Kevin Colbert knows what needs change. Hey, if Kevin Colbert doesn't have the enthusiasm for it, maybe it's time for him to get out. Yeah. I don't know. Those guys are, hey, they're, they're all rich men. Let's let's remember that. I remember walking behind Tomlin Colbert and the, the the head of communications, and they were going to a really nice car, and they had a chauffeur, and it was in the spring. And I I wanted to talk to Tomlin about something, but they looked a little out of my level at that point, and I got a sense that then I just read that Tomlin's making eleven million, and you know Colbert's making a lot, and I'm like. Are these guys making too much money? <laughs> do they 
does, does Kevin Colbert care enough to really dig in and get into this mm-hmm. true rebuild that has to happen with that, with the quarterback, the quarterback will be gone and they'll finally be resigned to a, a, a full rebuild thinking in that direction instead of thinking, Oh, let's, let's get one more piece for Ben and maybe we can pull this out if everyone stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Now I have a good podcast investment opportunity for Colbert and Tomlin. You know, if they have some, so, <laughs> I don't think they need any more investment opportunities. I think they're doing just fine. Uh, all right, Jim. Well, that that wraps up the uh, the game here. In continuing with what I started last week, and just kind of giving uh, mini previews of quarterbacks that will potentially be available in the upcoming draft. This week, I took a look at Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. He has his team ranked third right now. It's probably going to be in the uh, football college football playoff, which is pretty big deal for a team like Cincinnati. But Ritter, different from Malik Willis, who I spoke about last week, bigger guy, 6'4", 215, not as fast. He looks a bit statuesque back there. Um, and a, a comparable player, at least for me when I watch him on film, he looks a bit like Cam Newton, uh, not the Cam Newton of today. Uh, man, how his game has fallen off. But one of the differences between Ritter and Willis is that Ritter has done it over a four-year period. You want to talk about leadership and production, over 80 80 touchdowns, over 26 rushing touchdowns. The guy just has has got it done. Strong arm. He's mobile, not as mobile as Willis. And again, the same concerns are there about Ritter as there are about Willis, and that's precision with his passes, accuracy. Uh, But again, you can't coach arm talent. You can't Coach Speed Mobility, Ritter has both of those. You know, potentially this could be a guy um, who maybe goes in the first round. I did read a a report out there that um, I forget where it was, but none of the NFL GMs currently have a first-round grade on any of the the quarterbacks coming out. It's kind of early to to make that type of projection. But Mel Kuyper, draft guru, says about Ritter, physically, athletically, he has it all, precise, accurate passing, Lacks consistency there. Same thing with Josh Allen. If you can fix that, Desmond Ritter out of all these quarterbacks may have the most upside going into the NFL. So little uh, quarterback draft capsule. I'll continue this next week. I'll take a look at another guy, maybe Sam Howell out of um, UNC. Um, But I, I, I think, and maybe I'm in the minority here, that even if the Steelers do bring in a free agent, uh, quarterback that they they still need to draft someone, whether it's in the first round or the second or third round, they've got to start looking to the future here. So there's my little take on Ritter. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me go into, first of all, if the NFL scouts are saying right now that there's no first round talent, uh, I like, I like the evaluations being handed out now. They are forgotten. We'll never remember this comment. Mm-hmm. because the coaches get involved and they get antsy and they want a quarterback and they start moving them up the board. And Mel Kuyper, I, I could not care less what <laughs> I wanted. I, that Tony Pauline had the report that no, that, and, and, you know, there was some talk about Pickett might be one of the guys, a couple scouts. So uh, Pickett seems to have stirred the most interest. His hand size will be interesting. I, I've heard that it's tiny. A very tiny hand. I saw that. So that that could be a problem. If it's eight and a quarter, you know, Marino's was, I think, nine, and he was knocked for having small hands, and his was nine inches. So, but anyway, um, so I like when the reports come out now because they turn out to be better in the long run yeah. before the coaches get involved. Uh, two, um, you called Ritter statuesque, but like Cam Newton. I mean, I think he's more sack, sackable than a Lamar Jackson or a Malik Willis. Yeah. But I, I think he's mobile. And he's Cam mobile. Newton, you know, I think of statuesque. I think of Kent Graham. Yeah, I guess it's it's weird. His his style, it almost looks like he's lethargic back there. Um, but he, he's still efficient with his movements. It just looks like slower. And he, he he's a taller, he's a taller guy, he's a taller prospect. Maybe statuesque isn't the best word. But he just looks – it just looks slow, even though it's not slow, if that makes He's sense. not a natural baller. Maybe that's the way to put you it. No, and that's why he went to Cincinnati to begin with. He was not highly recruited. I think there was a, another Mac – oh, only a Mac school had recruited him until Cincinnati came in late. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, I know the Steelers have done well with Mac quarterbacks, but um, he reminds me of Colin Kaepernick. Hmm. He's kind of I can tall. see that. He's kind of mobile. He's kind of his feet are kind of flappy, and that he's not a natural baller, but he has the potential to lead a team, maybe to a Super Bowl like Kaepernick did. Um, so uh, what what I found, I watched Ritter this week. I found, man, he throws dimes deep in his intermediate yeah. passes, and his receivers drop some balls, and that might be hurting him. He doesn't have pro receivers. And we're going to see, we're going to find out more about him if he does get so lucky to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Even if his team's overmatched, we'll learn more about him in those games. Oh, yeah. Or that game than all season against, uh, I watched him play East Carolina. East Carolina. East Carolina had a decent defense, but, you know, if he's playing Alabama, we're going to learn a lot about him. Oh, yeah. Him. Even <laughs> Real if he quick. struggles. It, but uh, I thought what was lacking with him was his short game. I thought he had Josh Dobbs issues. Mm-hmm. Josh, for whatever reason, Throws wild when he's throwing short. Mm-hmm. And this guy threw a lot of short stuff wild. And, and the last thing about Ritter is Joe Marino, a draft analyst uh, uh, that I respect. I read his stuff. He had he had a mock draft with Ritter going eighth, the first quarterback taken. Wow. And I thought he was a second-round guy. You know, like I said, I think he's Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. So Kaepernick was – I don't know what round Kaepernick went, but it wasn't a first-rounder. Mm-mm. So that's right. You know, these guys are all over the board and I do not take Ritter in the first round. Yeah. Yep. Especially if they go five and 11. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the capsule there on Ritter. Maybe I'll uh, just go with Kenny Pickett next week out of proximity Pittsburgh. And um, well, so watch, watch his uh, big game against Wake. And okay. Whatever, whatever after that game, I don't know if it's this week. Is it this week? He plays I think great it is. for the ACC championship. Yeah. yeah. So if he plays this week, Kenny Pickett's a natural for next week. Yeah, that'd yeah. be perfect. All right. Well, you can count on that next week for episode 13. All right, Jim, we're going to jump into the terrible three and close this thing out. We're going to start uh, Deontay Johnson. He's a stud, one of the positives from the game uh, on Sunday. How do you see his career p- playing out and what is his ceiling? Well, I think his ceiling's A-B, and we talked about that when he came out. The exact same combine numbers, out of the MAC, high production. Bruce Arians loved him, uh, wanted him, wanted to draft him. And anymore, Bruce Arians has the eye. He called Friermuth, too. Um, So, and you you see A-B when he takes those slants across the middle and almost breaks them. A-B used to break, he used to break the final tackle. Yeah, I don't know if Deontay's not there, you know, and so that's the ceiling I think is a B, which is good <laughs> and bad. Yeah, <laughs> you would hope his mental game is a little better. I, I mean, not uh, a B's uh, X's and O's, but his mental yeah. breakdowns. Yeah. Well, if the ceiling uh, so is a B, that, that's, that's a that's a big win for for this team in terms of receiver. We kind of hit on this a little bit. Um, but we know this defense is bad, and we we talked about assigning blame. But if you had to pick one person or group to assign the blame for the poor play of this defense, is it Butler, Tomlin, or the players? Well, you have to go to Tomlin. You know, he's a defensive guy. It's like um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bill Cower and Dick LeBeau. LeBeau LeBeau fought back against Cowher's interruptions on the headsets. And Dick LeBeau actually quit the first time because of it. And before he came back the second time, he got a promise from Cowher that you know, run the defenses, you know, be left alone is not, but don't scream at me so much on the headset. Yeah. It was more like that. Not that plain and not that silly, but uh, you know, the head man is always going to be the head man. And so the head man must take the responsibility. He drafted Terrell at Edmonds. He drafted, you know, the, the head coach has the final say, whether they want to explain that again as a consensus, we all have to agree. The head man has always been in charge in Pittsburgh, always. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and Kevin Colbert's an easy guy to work with. And, and so is Mike Tomlin, you know, those two figure it out. And, but I put it on Tomlin because the head coach is always throughout history had the final say. So I'm going to, and Edmonds is Tomlin came out. He loved Edmonds. He got his brothers and 
you, you know that's a Tomlin guy. And, and hey, Terrell Evans isn't playing that bad. But as a first-round pick, as Devin Bush moving up for the 10th pick, you know, those are uh, – now you look and who's to blame. Um, and Tyson Alou-Alou, how dare he get injured. And yeah. Stefan Tuitt, how dare his brother get murdered. And, uh, well, Mink has got to make every tackle and he doesn't make them all. Yeah. And Schobert, how dare he? He was cast off because he wasn't a run stopper for Cleveland. Now he's here. He's, he's a good coverage, tough backer, but he's just not that. He's not Vince Williams even. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you want to place blame? It's, uh, I, like I said before, it's Ben not allowing them to go two and 14. Ben, it's Ben's fault the defense is so bad. Come on, Ben, get it together. And then the final one here. So Baltimore-Pittsburgh has always been one of the league's best rivalries. It's always come down to a three-point three game, 23-20 there in the final minute. Will that be the case this weekend, another three-point game, or will this defense continue to hemorrhage yards, and will this be another embarrassing blowout? It's like every every week in my uh, prediction, I'm like, hey, this team's hemorrhaging yardage. That's a good word. Hemorrhaging rush yardage at a rate we've never seen unless you were alive in 1934 and actually went to the games. So I, and then I say, but I have a feeling the Steelers and it, it worked against the chargers, but it didn't work against Cincinnati. So my feelings are wrong. This team hemorrhages yardage. I'd be a fool to pick against a team that can run the ball like the Ravens. The Ravens are coming off a poor performance. Uh, did they beat Cleveland? Yeah, they beat Cleveland. It was like 16 so, 10 or something. They played poorly. I think they're going to be able to run the ball on the Steelers, and it's going to be ugly again. Yeah, especially without TJ Watt. I mean, that really, you're going to have Taco back out there. Well, I don't mind him so much as the other guy, 48. Tusca. That guy looks like he looks like a safety. He looks built like a safety. When you're, when you're, <laughs> your reserve outside backers are Taco and Tusca, you're in trouble. <laughs> That's bad news. Bad news. But anyway, Jim, hey, they live to fight another week. They've got six games to go here. Um, we're going to learn a lot about this team. It's time to evaluate maybe some of these younger guys. Maybe we'll see Buddy Johnson out there. But here we go. You know, six games. This may be the last six for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but we'll be back here next week to bring you episode 13. Unlucky number 13. Who knows? Uh, but we'll talk all about the Ravens game. Hopefully it's a Steelers win. They're able to pull it together and uh, eke out a victory. Please check out Jim's work on the Still City Insider. Uh, you can follow him at Jim Wexel on Twitter. Please give me a follow at Still Study and check out my work at thestillstudy.com. We'll be back here bright and early next week on Tuesday. And thank you so much for following Jim. I hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll see you next week on the Still City Insider podcast. Nice work.